We welcome back to the show today, Callum Barnes. How are you doing, Callum? In a lovely vest. Hey, this is probably the most scantily clad you've ever seen me, right? This is, uh, <laughs> I guess, for the Patreons. If they sign up, they get to... <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Mid-South Moments. You get Callum in 12 different vests. So, yes. <laughs> but tell the, yeah. tell the listeners, I mean, we're recording this two weeks before it comes out, so it'll probably be about 19 degrees by the time it comes out. Yeah. But tell the listeners why you're sporting that vest today. I mean, it's it's probably, what, the hottest day ever recorded in the UK? Is that correct? It's I know the hot- it's the hottest day this year. It's the hottest ever. day ever recorded in the United Kingdom with, the, with a temperature of 40.3 oh degrees, which I think is 104 over 104 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit, which we cannot deal with. In in actual in actuality, while we're recording the Americans, this, yeah, yeah, there are act- there's actually fires in London because we just can't. It's just you know, uh, whatever it is, really, oh my god, beyond my, beyond my comprehension of science. But they're not far away from you. You're, you know, perhaps I shouldn't give out on air where you're yeah. living for the Patreon listeners. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in South London, there's fires at the moment. So, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't make too much fun of it. So, but two weeks time, I hope there's not been some horrific thing happen on this day. But, they, but for some people, it's not looking particularly mm. good. But there we go. Yeah. So no, you, you're in the office, right? Because you're wearing a shirt that has no stains on it or no sweats <laughs> on it. You got well, that haircut. I was going to say from a secret location, actually, Callum, but you've given the game away now. But yes, yeah, the I, office. I mean, that's still the, like the office, right? Oh, no it's, the, it's the Pro Wrestling Moments office. Yeah, and this is the first recording, actually, <laughs> post the rebrand, which was done, um, you know, oh. I was thinking about it for some months, but one Saturday night after recording with Marcus Shaw, I thought it's time to pull the trigger on that. Mm. So, yeah, let's, um, and, and, and here we are. I don't feel particularly comfortable in this secret location, to be honest. I can't quite get my chair at the right the right angle really yeah. so yeah it's just a bit different you're gonna get like home. the squeaky chair coming in and it's gonna I that's when I the am. reviews start piling in saying god as soon as this guy <laughs> turned this audio set up it's been a disaster <laughs> yeah. i remember steve austin early early in his um his his, his podcast which it doesn't do anymore uh, he does the, the WWE network one but someone complained to him about um mm. him clearing his throat or something and they were like, can you, can you do this? And I had loads and loads of complaints about this poor guy um, and just, just basically clearing his throat. So, ho- yeah, hopefully there's not oh, a yeah. squeaky chair today. We also might get an alarm uh, as well and also maybe some sirens as well. So that's something for, something for you all to look forward to. Um, so how's it? I think when, yeah. when was the last time we recorded? About a month or so ago? How's things in your, in your world? So ago, so, mate, yeah. yeah, a month or so ago, isn't I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've we've chatted in between since, but I guess the, well, the biggest personal news the girlfriend met the parents for the first time the other week oh was, did you uh, this is sort of stuff i want to hear on it how did that go <laughs> yeah this is what we tune in for yeah yeah yeah. Wrestling yeah 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 we went to um we went to a mexican place in covent garden which uh even though london well london does feel like mexico right now but we don't actually get really good mexican food but it's a place called temper which is absolutely stunning would recommend it if um if you're in london and and like what Mexican food, but uh, about is it? Just um, come out of Covent Garden Tube, head towards Leicester Square, and it's that I think it's called like St Neil's Yard or something oh, like yeah, that. Okay. You know, it's yeah, around yeah. the back where the yeah. shoe is and that type of setup. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's um, oh, it's so good. And I mean, yeah, the the joke of they loved her more than me is probably never better suited because she was really nervous at the start. And then once we had, had a couple of uh, uh, frozen margaritas and smoking away and, and laughing and 
telling stories about me when I was young, which I guess is what happens when you get parents uh, meeting someone for the first time. But it was very good. And oh, so, so she um, met your parents. Sorry, so I misunderstood that at the start. So oh, she met yeah, your parents. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she met my parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. Good. Congratulations. What, have you met her parents yet? No, not yet. No, no, no. Is that something they, they live the cards? Where, they're not London based. They're not London based. Oh, that's so, yeah, um, yeah. that. But then sense. this is—I mean, this will come out like a month later, right? So it's probably uh, <laughs> one or two ways. It's crash and burn, or like, <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> getting. No, I'm. I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure it's, it's only two weeks. I'm sure that you won't have dropped any clangers during that time. Um, nah, do, do you watch nah. Love Island by any chance? Kind of, I think we've never, never spoken about this, have we? No, the only. Uh, Trash telly I watch is Married at First Sight. I can't get enough oh, of that. But yeah, Married at First else, Sight is really I good. Just, I, it doesn't do it for me. It generally, like reality TV, it's never, it's never really done it for me. Past girlfriends have like said, watch this, watch that. But yeah, um, yeah, no, I don't watch Love Island. There's something in the news about it though, correct? Well, again, we're going to be a bit two weeks out of date, but the, here's, a, here's our first siren. Here we go. I don't know if the, if the listeners can hear that, um, but as it goes past, hopefully, and it's an ambulance. So, yeah, not not great. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just dragging it down today, isn't it? It's all, all a bit of a down. I'm on a bit of a downer, actually, but I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, where were we? Yeah, Love Island. Mm. Um, they're, talk, they're talking about kind of a um, bit of toxic masculinity and controlling behaviour and stuff, because the guy that okay. I hope, I hope that by the time people are listening to this has been cruelly dumped by my Colin's daughter because he is uh, an absolute knob um but he's just very very controlling Michael Owen's daughter yeah, Michael Owen's daughter yeah. it is strange that um in sort of what was it 1998 like Michael Owen was briefly my hero and he's got an amazing goal for England and now what 20 24 years on I'm yeah. I find his daughter attractive it's a bit creepy and a bit weird but there we go <laughs> there we go we move on um the reason I'm feeling that hey circle of life yeah Circle of life, exactly. The reason I'm feeling down in the dumps today is because I don't know if you, I have a terrible tendency to overlook forward to things. So if there's like a oh, big yeah. wrestling thing or trip, like when I'm at in Japan, I was looking forward to that for so long. And I've just had one of my uh, key events of the year happen, which is a mate's golf weekend. And it's over. Yeah, I saw the Instagram. It looked yeah. awesome. It, it was a fantastic time, apart from the last round was was really, really tough for all of us because it was just too hard. But now we've got 12 months to wait and I'm just in that, comfort eating i had yeah. two ice creams at lunchtime and a bar of chocolate and i just need to pull myself together really callum and start looking forward to the next thing really so yeah not the best You're, are you like a, a buy the rumor sell the news type of thing you know like you you get really excited until it happens and then it's then once it's happened it's like it never ever happened and you just, <laughs> just don't I, want to talk about it no, not really. It's more like I just can't ever, can't ever believe that everything. It just went so quickly. It just went literally in a flash. And I think the older yeah. we get, this stuff just just goes by like so so quickly. You've got all this look, look forward to during your thirties, whereas, alas, I'm now in my forties. Mm. Um, now that very good, very. See, I'm glad <laughs> that we recorded all that because that was all good stuff. And now I've got another little curveball for you. Yeah which I like to throw you at the start of each episode when you oh, record dear. and give you no prep time to think about it. Um, but this one shouldn't be too hard. And no. We've sort of touched on it already. So what TV shows are you into presently? Or have you watched any good films recently? Because I know you're one of the, um, one of our film buffs that we have on the show. So I'm sure people will be interested in any recommendations yeah. you've got. Well, there's all been oh, there's all been a bunch of like superhero films, which just I don't they don't do it for me at all. They, they really don't do it for me. So 
there's not been any good films that I've liked that have come out recently, but <laughs> actually, I tell a lie. So one of my really immature favourite TV shows to watch that I discovered in the pandemic was Bob's Burgers. Have you heard of this? I heard of it, but I've never watched it. I don't even know the, oh, the genre it's like a, of it. It's like, well, I, th- I think it's fantastic, but it's probably like third tier. So you've got Family Guy, Simpsons, American Dad type of people's fandom for for those type of like cartoon sketch shows but then Bob's Burgers is quite fun it seems to have like a cult following and I discovered it in the pandemic and then just by sheer happenstance like the film like they did a film of it like a, okay, you know, a yeah. feature length like and it came out last I think a couple of weeks ago and it's just so funny I mean I I wouldn't recommend it and I think you do just have to get it. You, you, you do have to get it. It's one of those things. You don't get it. You, you won't understand why people love it. But if you do love it, you, you can't stop watching it. That's been my, um, that's been like a like discovery in the pandemic slash film. So does that answer both questions? Yeah, there? that does. Sorry, I, I think you, I, I lost it for about, literally about half a second. Is it an American thing or is it a British thing? Yeah, it's an American thing. American yeah, thing. There's, there's some quiet well no yeah american there's some quite well-known voices i say well-known i couldn't name any of them but um like you you would go oh i know that guy he's been in other things or mm. oh yeah that girl she does this like you would recognize who they are um but yeah no it's an american thing yeah american what's it on uh in terms of platform disney plus Ah, okay, yeah, we've got Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I have to check that out. Well, thank you very much for the recommendation. That you've you've ticked that box well, well and truly solidly there. So thank you very much. Good. Now Good. we're jumping in our time machines back to a time in 1986 where I suspect it wasn't as hot as this. I feel bad actually because my the air conditioning here is incredible and you are sweating while while we're talking. So this is uh, you can see. Yeah, more- thanks, thanks for giving that away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you I- can see more of Callum sweating on Patreon.com's forward slash Mid South moments. And um, yeah, no, we no, got to get you hundred pounds a month. A hundred percent. I can't. Thing is, Dan set this up as a joke, and we've we've it's become an ongoing thing. But I did worry. I did legitimately worry if we get one subscriber because there's no content on there. As I shouldn't give the game away then, because yeah, like once someone someone signs up for something particularly niche then we can't deliver it um so yeah hey, we're listen, j- if someone's going to give me 100 pounds to jib and jabber i'll take their money <laughs> absolutely uh yeah the, the only fans account is coming up soon um so we're <laughs> just so we can take it up a level in terms of uh i can't think of the right word uh let's move on <laughs> raciness there we go um so we're jumping in our time machines to august the 23rd 1986 and this episode starts with the recap of the big brawl between the free birds and the various baby faces Michael Hayes and Jim Ross were at the desk. Hayes was wearing an incredible silver and black shirt, completely open and tied at the bottom, and a pair of salmon trousers. So, to Callum, did you ever go through a peacocking stage of wearing outlandish shirts like this? And you may be in it still now, because I think this is kind of still a thing now. So, what's, what's your thoughts on peacocking and wearing these, these kind of colourful shirts? Oh, um, I uh, well, I just heard the siren go by there, so that's yes. the first one I've heard go through. The other one didn't, but uh, no, nah, see, I've never really been a, t- a shirt wearing guy like anything mm. like flamboyant like that. I've always liked a nice plain t shirt, um, never drastically changed from that. <laughs> but that, see, yeah, I like I don't even, I don't even own a Hawaiian shirt, and me and my mates went to the rugby sevens couple of weeks ago no not a couple of weeks ago probably about a month or so ago now um 
and like everyone was wearing Hawaii, we it was we were told right we've got to wear Hawaiian shirts. I was like shit, I don't even have any Hawaiian shirt. I don't have anything like that. So yeah. I'm in I'm in awe of people that can pull that off, or even dangerously <laughs> go and buy that stuff and then uh, <laughs> and then wear it in public. It's just never been my thing. Yeah. I uh, so it's funny about shirts because if you were if you were my age you'd have, you'd have when you first were clubbing you'd have experienced a time where you couldn't get in a club without a shirt or or trousers on you couldn't Jeez. get you could not get in a nightclub with jeans on um, so what ha- even if you wore like your because I just wear my Jordans everywhere and I get into clubs and stuff absolutely fine you wouldn't be able to get in a pub with, with trainers on in Croydon <laughs> not I'm, I'm talking about uh, what ninety when. 98 is probably a little bit early. 99 when we were 17, we started going out on like Thursday yeah. night going places. So 99, 2000, 2001, I'd say you couldn't, you, maybe in 2001, you might better get in a club with jeans and shoes on, but you couldn't get in a club with, you couldn't get in a pub with trainers on. You had to go to, wow. you had to go to, you might better get in a pub with jeans and shoes on, but it just wasn't, it was, it was a completely different time. We used to wear like pinstripe trousers and these like velvet trousers and things. And that was the vibe. And like these horrible looking like blocky slip on loafers. Um, and, and I'll tell you another thing that was big in the late nineties was people going out in suits. So you'd go out in like oh, okay. a full on suit, untucked shirt and like a suit jacket. So this, the shirt wouldn't be like a work shirt. It would be some sort of more, flashy shirt but not necessarily colorful but like a you know more not not like a work a shirt you'd wear to work but that yeah that was that right. was all the rage but yeah i went for a lot of peacocking i still own some white shirts i wore a kind of white <laughs> shirt over the weekend um I, I think the worst one of all time was a black faux faux silk shirt which had flames all over it was probably the worst thing that i've ever, oh my I've God. ever worn. i don't yeah. know if you can hear that can not you hear an me. alarm on the there's an alarm can't hear an alarm um, which is very, very annoying. I don't know if it's, it's a car. Not coming alarm. through on my side. Okay, good. Well, hopefully that's not coming through because I can just about hear it. Um, but mm. if it gets any worse, I will pause. Um, so a sign in the crowd read, Michael Hayes wears ruffled panties. Um, but I didn't really get what the person was insulting there. Was he? Was that person insulting Michael Hayes' ability to iron his undergarments? Because is that a big insult? He's he's just jealous that he's not Michael P.S. Hayes. That's that's what I take Big away. Time. I'm I'm jealous. I'm not Michael P.S. Hayes. This man is is quickly becoming like a crush for me. I mean, yeah. every time I watch this, I just think this guy's incredible. Yeah. He is an just absolute, jealousy, just jealousy. He, he's an absolute Adonis, and he's got the he's got the complete chat. And I'll talk about how good he is on commentary in there yeah. as we yeah. as we move forward. Um, Ross ran through what was on the show. We'd have a feature with Hot Stuff International. The free word, free words, the free birds would be there plus more. <laughs> Ross thanked the people that came to the recent wrestling fans convention. And Jim Duggan won Wrestler of the Year and Ted DiBiase won the People's Choice Award. And Hayes also mentioned that Ross won Announcer of the Year and added that he'd only won that prize because he was teaming up with him now. And they recapped Ken Mantell setting the rules out for the UWF title match, sending Hayes and DiBiase to the back and then uh, went back to Ross and Hayes. And Hayes said he went back and did what he was told and said that Gordy didn't need his help. Um, The title match went off air in progress last week. And for the first time, I think they actually went back and showed what happened so Gordy was caught in the ropes and then Duggan was attacked by Roberts leading to the DQ they beat down on Duggan until a man in a blue tracksuit, uh, the same as DiBiase had, had on earlier in the show came out to make the save albeit his identity was sort of protected by way of a wrestling mask um there's quite a lot <laughs> going on here so um up to this point have you got any sort of thoughts about them going back to show the kind of ending of last week's show because otherwise I've got a long old bit of text still to read before I come back to you 
So I need a break. No, I mean, I, my first uh, note I wrote was, I just love Michael P.S. Hayes, which yeah. I think we've already established. So I can move on from that. Um, I do like, before you do, yeah, go on to the next bit. It's funny that when, so Michael Hayes was getting angry about the awards and Jim Ross not acknowledging that he won one. Yeah. And then I guess that's just textbook heel behavior because if you've won something, you want to shout from the rooftops that you've won it. And the fact that uh, Jim Ross is just trying to be professional, okay, we're going to open the broadcast, we're going to do this, and he just just can't fathom why Jim Ross wouldn't want to shout about yeah. a recent, uh, quite, I don't know, quite prestigious awards, yeah, yep. the, of the year awards right there. Um, it, it, was, it was just brilliant for me. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, back to Ross, he said that Hayes would be getting more irritated. So he went down to the ring. Hayes said that last week Mantel, ran, this is so Hayes in ring now. Um, Hayes said that last week Mantel ran everyone off. But if anyone came back, they'd be suspended without pay. Hayes said that everyone saw that Ted DiBiase had come back out. He called Ken Mantel out there and said they needed to stick to the rules because they run this place. Hayes told Mantel that he wanted DiBiase suspended. A Gordy added that it was Mantel and that thick-headed cowboy who signed them for what sounded like a billion, but I'm sure he meant a million dollars. And Hayes yeah. said, now suspend him. Mantel said, yes, number one, you're like a lot of overpaid athletes and they don't own the company. And if you want to know the truth about it, this company owns you, which got big cheers. Mantel said he had a copy of the Freebirds contract and he added, if people came back, they'd be suspended without pay. So this came back in during the match last week. Yeah, Roberts did yeah. come back, but the other person was masked man who that was was a masked man who they couldn't identify. And there was a great reaction to this because obviously it was clear that it was Ted DiBiase. Um, Mantel said the contract of Hayes called for TV time, which is a little bit odd. And if he wanted it, he needed to go back and sit down. He ordered Gordy and Roberts to the back also, and they had better do it now. Um, quite a lot to unpack here. And this was, a, yeah. I thought that the angle with Mantel was a little bit messy here, but obviously we've got kind of like a babyface authority figure here back in 1986. Uh, so what did you make of this recap and the kind of whole start of this um, this show and the angle here? Yeah, yeah, two points. I mean, the, firstly, the audio on Hayes' promo was pretty awful. I don't know if it was a technical glitch or they were Sorry. just pumping it out to Sorry. the... Um... I couldn't hear what you said. That's Siri on my watch. Sorry, apologies. Carry on. All oh, right, I thought I was a... Talking about technical glitches, I thought we were having a uh, back feature. No, um, actually, can I ask a question? So the Freebirds were on million-dollar contracts at this time. Would that be true? Would they be getting no. that kind of... No, no. no. So, so they wouldn't, would there be that type of money in wrestling anywhere? Um, ho the only person that would have been close to a million dollars around this time would have been Hogan, I think. Okay, um, yeah. Now, Hogan probably made a million dollars in 1987 but i'm not sure about before but while you're carrying on i'm going to google that because that's yeah the, that's the power of the internet but yeah i suspect i suspect no rest had got had a million dollar year until until hogan i think he would have been the first wow that's a hell of an achievement or maybe what they were doing was just like adding up their three collective contracts and, <laughs> and then saying look we're million dollar wrestlers you know <laughs> i mean I, I, I wonder if um I wonder if they would have had a million between them. I mean, it's possible. But again, the problem around this era in UWF is that their home markets weren't drawing all that well. So while right. this television show was doing well, there was a, there was an economic, basically it was an oil an oil crisis in um, in the States that they, their home markets were. So while the- Topical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So while, while the TV show is, um, is, is very strong at this point, 
their business wasn't as strong as it had been earlier. So it's kind of a weird, uh, weird sort of time. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting. I don't know why. I'm always fascinated by how much wrestlers make and what they, I don't know, like, you know, when you get the fight purses for a big boxing match, I've always been fascinated by that. But um, yeah, I, I think I actually quite liked when Ken Mantell was dishing out his authority. You know, the three birds really handled here. I do like it when managers and authority characters actually do win the day. Otherwise, just week by week, it comes it comes across as a case of the inmates running the asylum yeah. every single week, which the more you do it, it, it does get less believable in my opinion. So I do actually like that Mantel had, had the guts and also they did bow down to his words. Um, yeah, I, I, I did. it was a good, great, great opening segment. Really good. So I've, I've had a look at this. Hogan reckons he made around $10 million a year between 87 and 89, but I don't think that can be right. Um, I think wow. that's that's way, way, way more than he would have he would have got. I'm sure 89, 89 was that was was a really, really I think 89 for a long time was their biggest year because 90 mm. dipped, 90 dipped quite a lot. And 89 was a, like a super huge year off the back of um well, really Hogan and Randy Savage. The Hogan and Randy Savage house show um tour after WrestleMania 5 did really, really well. So I think Hogan would have been in the millions um in, in 89 probably 87, 88 as well. But 88, he didn't work all that much because he did. He had a big he had a big break after WrestleMania 4 when he was, I believe he was filming No Holds Barred at Film yeah. Zoo. So... Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Because, it, because they awesome. weren't... Yeah, well, I've, I've only seen that film a couple of times and not for a long time. Maybe we should do a review of No Holds Barred at some point. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think Hogan was 10 million. Certainly not. Um, right, first match of the show was Gustavo Mendoza versus Jumping Joseph Aldi. Hayes said he never had been so humiliated as he was in the earlier segment. He said he doesn't know who Ken Mantell thinks he is, but he was going to find out who they were. Ross talks about some live shows upcoming, including in Memphis, which is another example of the UWF breaking out of their traditional markets and going into other wrestling strongholds. Savoldi went for a stinger style splash in two minutes and 15 seconds, but took a very heavy bump into the turnbuckles. Mendoza then hit a really terrible looking slam, then missed the splash before Savoldi half killed him with a Frankensteiner of all things. Then Mendoza took right on his head and he lost that. He basically was pinned off that in three minutes and 17 seconds. Uh, so what did you think of this match and this brutal, brutal finish? Yeah, definitely the biggest boo. I don't know if the Knights, but Mendoza got such a big boo when he was announced and, um, in the early stages, like uh, Savoli, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Savoldi. Savoldi, I think. Savoli. Yeah. yeah, really had Mendoza's number, countering and dodging all these moves. Um, yeah, you alluded to, like, <laughs> Hayes the whole time would lose his composure from what just happened and go off on Ross or DiBiase um, or whatever was on his mind. Like, he just couldn't concentrate on the match that's going on. <laughs> but, yeah, for the pin, I mean, Mendoza's head just got spiked didn't it That's terrible it, yeah he seemed to be okay though because he got straight up but um no I, I really liked it really good opening opening match uh Savoli quick like too quick too sharp for Mendoza um who I only feel got one piece of offense in which I think was a bicep twist but yeah again just that that ending couple of moves was um Maybe just a smaller guy going going against a bigger guy couldn't quite do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he just didn't know how to do that. To do that kind of front flip bump, and he just he just yeah. went straight on his head. Um, yeah. Next up in ring, Ken Massey versus Skandar Akbar's newest protege, Savannah Jack, 
who also had the one-man gang in his corner. Um, I couldn't find out too much about Jack uh, with him having done some shots for West 4 Wrestling Alliance in Manitoba I'd never heard of before, just before this UWF television debut, and seemingly not much else. Um, and this was a total squash. I thought Jack looked okay, but not with an amazing look, albeit he did finish this match with a good-looking Sweet Chin-style music kick in 137. And after the match, Akbar got on the microphone and said last week was the biggest controversy in the history of the UWF. He said they were escorted out of the arena. It was stinking American alibi. I don't, I don't know if I've written that right, but whatever. Um, because no one had <laughs> the, the guts to face Devastation Incorporated. He called Ted DiBiase Ted DeBuze. He asked what, was, what it was going to be. Are they going to lay back like the leader of this stinking country or would they challenge him? Uh, what did you think of the match and this promo from Akbar here? The match exactly what was what it, you said. It was just probably a, mat, a squash match to set up uh, promo time in the ring. And yeah, Savannah Jack, I quite like the name, but you know, with those drop kicks, he's no Okada, is he? But um, he's not really. No. <laughs> no, but really early. I mean, that's an early form of the super kick, I guess, to to get the pin and the win. But um, yeah, I mean, the match didn't really do much for me. And um, as you say gave Akbar or set up Akbar some promo time in the ring. Indeed. He seemed to call everyone out on the roster. He called everyone out, right? Yeah, he did. He wasn't letting anyone out of it on this no, at all. No. Um, we got a little advert for the non-profit shows that Jim Ross was pushing hard to increase business at live events. And they gave the phone number out to arrange one. You had to contact Scott Munns. And what are we going to do now? We're going to see if Scott Munns is still on this phone number. So I've got it on my phone ready. Let's see what yes. happens. It's going to be underwhelming when it just goes through to like some sort of it's not connected. Thank you for calling BTC Broadband. Para continuar en español, presione el símbolo de número. To make a secure automated payment, press 1. For business services or 24-7 business technical support, press 2. For residential services, for new business service, press 1. Support, I'm surprised that this has gone as far they as this. Did, they didn't give any options on the broadcast, did they? No. I'm not going to hold on for this. Oh, all I those was, local charities taking up the time. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just hoping that basically someone was going to answer and I could ask for Scott Munns, but that wasn't as wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, basically. So, alas, hey, I'm not going to waste anyone's know time. You try, do you? I know, it's, know. True, it's true. But I'm very interested that number still exists. That little that little skit on the podcast probably cost me about four pounds, darling, that number. Yeah, so I was about to say, yeah, the, the, this is going <laughs> to be a long-distance <laughs> phone call. Yeah, I know. Fantastic. <laughs> But yes, yeah, still still available. If you want to dial that number and, and ask for Scott Munns, it's 918-366-8000. I encourage you to give it a go. Um, Brett Wayne Sawyer and Gary Young up next against Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts. Ross previewed the upcoming feature on Hot Stuff International as Hayes asked him what was going on in Hot Stuff International. And Gordy in the match nearly took Young's head off with a brutal clothesline right in the face. Uh, and this one had a weird end as after the Freebirds hit, the Bam Bam Slam on Young... They were going to do it to Sawyer, but the bell rung. But then as the shot widened, we saw that it was our returning hero, Dr. Death Steve Williams, along with Ted DiBiase, and they were on the attack against the Freebirds. The crowd absolutely erupted for this, and Ross was at his brilliant best. Michael Hayes saved Gordy from being pile-driven on the floor, and DiBiase was rocking a white and yellow thick hoop T-shirt during this brawl like only he could. Um, the Freebirds eventually made it out of there. It was born in the USA, played over the speakers. 
Great stuff and a great return for Williams. And the closing shot of this was someone in the crowd with a sign that read, we missed you, Steve. Or what did you think of this? Yeah, really good. It's a rare moment where I actually don't mind when there's a run in because I just loved this whole segment. Yes. I, I absolutely yeah. loved it. You're gonna you think you're gonna get a, a match, which um the Freebirds actually didn't come out to their song Bad Street. Had they not wrote ah, had they not written and recorded it yet? Bad Street was, was prior to this. They came out to their cover version of Boys Are Back in Town. Oh, it was a cover. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I knew that. I didn't realize it was a cover. Oh, damn. I really like Bad Streets. Um, yeah, but um, I actually find I actually found I didn't write many notes on this match because I think I was just sitting back and and enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem sometimes yeah. with, with the note taking is you just want to enjoy the match, don't you? Basically. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I found myself audibly smiling. Audibly smiling. That doesn't make sense. Um, caught myself smiling yes just at several moments of this because it was just it was just so much fun and uh, again just a free bird piling on all the heel tactics and, and i just absolutely loved it and as you said the crowd was going crazy when the dot's death and um and ted dibiase jumped in they they were going manic and um i kind of was too inside as well yeah, they were, they've been waiting a long time for uh, Doc's death's return. They they uh, reacted big for this. And yeah. after the break, well, I say break, they've actually all been expertly edited out of these versions, which I, Such I, a shame. I'm... Well, do you know what? I'm kind of at the, my wits end with the adverts now because it's just more you have to review. Whereas these 38-minute supercuts are quite nice. Um, so we had Hollywood John Tatum walking out of the door and he said to Ross that he should go outside as he needed some sun and Tatum added that she should be here in a minute, referring to Missy Hyatt. Um, Ross said they were getting ready to go to lunch with Missy Hyatt, but she was running late. Ross also said they were going to try and get to the bottom of the situation. The final question. Ross said while they're waiting, what really is going on? Tatum called Ross spanky and said the whole thing was his business. Well, sorry, the whole thing was a business deal with Missy and Eddie. He never really trusted Eddie, but he needed money. And that's what Missy's got. He said he's the best-looking guy and the best pro wrestler in the world, and those two things excited Hyatt. Ross said he was looking forward to lunch and had quite an appetite, which I thought was hilarious. Um, a lim- <laughs> <laughs> Ross is so good at this. A limo turned up and Hyatt jumped out. She apologised for being late, and Tatum said Ross thought something was going on with Hyatt and Gilbert. Hyatt was in a very giggly sort of mood here. I'm not sure if she was acting or just necked a bottle of something in the limo. And she said nothing was going on and they turned to get in. Eddie Gilbert brilliantly then jumped out of the limo. And this, he was all he was completely out of shot before this. And he had a great line about how good the TV was inside the car. He said, hi, John. Hi, Jim. Which is just great as well. Tatum yeah. asked what they were doing and Hyatt said they were talking business. Tatum said he didn't need to get involved in the business side of things, but Hyatt encouraged him still to come to lunch. So Tatum got in and then Eddie and John tried to get in the limo at the same time. And they got then they got in and shut the door and Ross basically seemingly uninviting him to lunch in the process. Ross said it seemed they needed a private conversation and also it seemed like he needed to find somewhere else to go to lunch. I thought this was really, really good. The only bit that was slightly um, iffy was Hyatt's acting but the whole angle is great fun and I thought this was really really well done what did you make of this yeah it was well done I did think at the same time what the hell was going on yeah <laughs> because it was it was bizarre at points and it was hard to follow but like this guy John Tatum just came across as like, so desperate yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he I guess he is selling himself really well because 
he's you know he's he's not what he's not a baby face and you're not meant to um warm to him but um yeah I, it was yeah and ross just not really caring about getting an interview just wanted uh just wanted a snack to eat and bite to exactly. eat. exactly so, um, you can't blame him at all <laughs> no. um, back to the show duggan came out in a white tuxedo harkening back to the best dressed man contest of many moons ago he called hayes michael bs and said it was good to be there that got a laugh out of me after saying yeah, yeah. That, that was really good Ross through to the UWF Tag Team Championship match. Um, Sting and Eddie Gilbert, along with Hyatt, defending the titles against the Fantastics. And Gilbert was announced as being from every girl's dream and Sting from every man's nightmare, which I thought was a lovely touch. Um, it seemed like they had new belts here, or they polished them up nicely and they looked great. Um, Ross said that next week we'd have Hollywood John Tatum challenging Terry Taylor for the UWF TV title. There was a great spot early as Gilbert hid in the corner with his head under the rope, only for Rogers to walk down the apron and boot him straight in the face. Um, Rogers hit a fantastic dropkick on Sting before he got hit in the face with a Fulton shot from the middle rope, just after Fulton did a nice little dance. The match went through a break and Duggan put over how good it was being at the matches live as you don't miss a thing, which was a nice touch as well. And on the outside, Tatum made his way to ringside and he kissed higher. Ross said, that's a little bit sickening, but that's their business. Don't really know what he was getting at there, but yeah. Yeah, why is it sickening? I think they're, they're together, allowed a little snog. Um, can, Eddie, I, uh, can I interject at this one yeah, point? Yeah, of course, go did on. Did you, uh, speaking of Ross and sickening, did you see what he tweeted? Uh, was it yesterday? Or oh, maybe? yeah, yeah. Yes, can I, I did. Yeah. Again, this is two, <laughs> two weeks on, but he was talking about, was it Nat Natalia's sister? Younger sister or something? Younger well, I'm probably sister. not younger as in like, you know, underage, but like younger, just as, yeah. Yeah, it's like she's absolutely beautiful. I wish she was. A, I wish she was. A, what was it? I wish she was a bit older or something. With a wink emoji, not yeah. even like alluding to anything. Just, just going straight for it. It's just stuff like that. Is is I, I really like Jim Ross still, and I think I think he still adds something to um, AEW. But you can't say that that stuff. That stuff in the nineties when Jerry Lawley said stuff. I think it used to kind of go over our heads a bit. But but that's probably not the right thing. But now you just can't be talking about young women women generally old women young women middle-aged women you just need to leave that leave that stuff alone leave that stuff yeah. for the deep recesses of your mind not put and certainly not on twitter certainly and he's not, not deleted either it's up there no he's owning yeah. he's owning it he is he's owning, owning it yeah, he's, he's owning, owning it. it um where are we uh sorry uh, for the interruption no sorry, no it's all good i should i should have um i should have actually made oh i know where we were eddie gilbert's dad was the referee again in this one which seems to become an ongoing theme with him um at 16 minutes and 18 at six minutes and 18 seconds not 16 <laughs> missy handed gilbert the loaded purse but the referee blocked the shot in ring fulton had gilbert pinned but tatum got in there and threw proud powder in his face while the ref was entangled with hyatt gilbert then got the pin with a bridging german suplex in six minutes and 53 seconds and they went to a break straight after the match. And when it came back, we only had a few seconds of television time left. Tommy Gilbert was with Ross and said that the powder everywhere, they said that there was powder everywhere and there's no way they could let that finish stand. And he was going to hold up the belts. I'm not sure who gave him the power to do that. Uh, but what did you think yeah. of this match and the referee's decision here? Yeah, I'll, I'll start off with the entrances. I mean, the Fantastics. Oh, my God, what an entrance they had. And yes. There were girls kissing them. There were people running up to the guardrails, trying to receive hugs from them. Like Biggest babyface entrance I've seen in a long time watching these. And um, 
you got you know a few weeks back actually dan had some really good takes i think you and dan had a really good conversation about sting and not changing his gimmick as the years have gone by mm. and that i mean just go back and listen to that if you want my takes because i couldn't agree more with you that, that you'd spoken about a couple of weeks ago um um, that you'd raised on the podcast there. But yeah, really overall fun match. The crowd seems to just pop every time the Fantastics did a maneuver or a counter. Um, yeah, re- really good fun. It, it was just uh, great. And then the, the finish. Interesting, right? The, 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 they're making a story out of uh, the ref being the father because there's definitely a conflict of interest there, right? Yeah, it is, yeah, big time. Like in the Olympics, you can't get even someone that your own nationality to judge you. No. <laughs> your father in a title match. Um, yeah, and then getting the authority to not to not acknowledge the title change or not, like to go back on his, because he initially counted the three. Yeah, so well, they've already turned into a no contest or something. Yeah, yeah, they're already champions. I don't know how you can hold the title. Actually, actually uh, yes. any sense at all. So, if if it's in in MMA, if the champion, if the but the thing is in wrestling, the difference in MMA and wrestling is in wrestling, if the champions lo- lose by DQ, they keep the titles. But in MMA or boxing, you lose the title, you so, vacate it. Yes, yeah, so and no one yeah. gets it. Yeah. Or oh, well, it does depend. Sometimes it can change hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, so th- this doesn't this doesn't make sense from that perspective because they didn't win the t- if they won the title in this match yeah. and then they he'd realise something dodgy afterwards but this wasn't that so yeah I don't know it's, it's a bit of a weird storyline device I thought that one yeah and then to go off air I know that you might get to this but uh, they did throw it back to the commentary booth and then Jim Duggan kind of stood up and accepted a challenge or yeah. something like that but it but it was oh I mean they probably suffered from that commercial break because when they came back there was it was all over the place and then there was only like two three minutes of the broadcast left yeah so as a viewer you're kind of thinking hang on a minute what is going on this is um, i can't follow it this, this is not going to be concluded basically during this during yeah. this episode um, but that all being said i thought this this episode flew by and this is we're, we're, we're right in the midst of a good run of television for this promotion now um which which is which is good because actually earlier in the year and it, obviously any wrestling promotion, even if I've said this on there before, if you watch WWF in 1998, there were weeks of Raw that weren't very good, but we will look back fondly on that stuff. Um, right. So what are your final thoughts on this August 23rd, 1996 episode of the Universal Wrestling Federation? Took the words out of my mouth there, Stephen, just it flew by. It flew by. And matches were great. Segments were fun. There just was no dead air or downtime it just yep. seemed to be fantastic just just fantastic and um to to what you said today and on previous podcasts we're living in a real good uh real good era of the uh, of wrestling there and it definitely shows and holds up as well really holds it really up. holds up it really holds it really up because I, I feel like this stuff is way before its time this is more like the stuff from 10 years afterwards than wow. um you know than any other stuff that i've seen from this era really because this is this is this reminds me of early nitro and early particularly nitro it's very very similar to early nitro and i think there's yeah. clearly some bill watts influences in there in, in terms of the way that lots of things are going on the segments the skits you know feeling that anything could happen so yeah this is really good stuff right callan mm-hmm. thank you very much for being on the show this week you'll be back with us next week which i'm looking forward to and thank you very much for listening for everyone list i always mess this up well, why can't I just get through this without... Well, you actual... do have something called the edit button, but you're clearly uh, too lazy I don't to like use it. <laughs> I am. I am too lazy to use that. I'm not going to... I don't cut anything out. Our, our friends at the Random Wrestling Review podcast, um, 
I know that Ben is a, is a real stickler for edits. He even edits out a lot of the uh, quiet between when you answer questions. So actually, it's interesting because a couple of times I have edited things and different guests have more space. Dan, Dan has quite a lot of space between thoughts sometimes and he'll say something and, and then well, pause a little a bit. It takes a few minutes say, to think of something, doesn't it? Well, that is showing you've met Dan. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's, it's his his natural style of speech is and Stuart Roberts is like that as well. So he, he has yeah. gaps and stuff, whereas other people are just like, I think I'm just 100 miles an hour the whole time, so there's not too many gaps usually when I'm speaking. But there we yeah. go. Let's let's. Try, I'll try that outro again. Another go. Another go, which I'm not going to edit any of that out anyway. Thank you very much for listening, and we should speak to you all again very soon. There you go. A1 outro. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out. All the products. That's on redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments.